Welcome to the Harvest Community Church Ohio podcast. Our passion is to welcome and care for wounded and hurting people where they are in their journey so that they may find purpose and joy in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that you are blessed by listening today. Thank you for joining us and God bless. Hey, take a look at the screen. You'll see this is our mini-series. We're taking a break from uh, the series in the Gospel of John to do a mini-series, Jesus, Hope for a Weary World. And this is what we're going to be talking about this Christmas season. And and so uh, the scripture that, uh, just a kind of an opening scripture to look at, again, in Luke, take a look at this, Luke chapter 2, 10 to 12. And the angel said to them, this is the angel speaking to the shepherds out in their fields, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. You know, there had been 400 years, 400 years of silence, 400 years And in the final book of the Old Testament, Malachi, God had promised to send one like Elijah, a prophet like him, to turn the hearts of the people back to God. And and for 400 years, nothing, quiet. And then an angel appeared to Zechariah in the holy place and told him that he and Elizabeth would have a son, John, who became John the Baptist, who was one, of course, like Elijah, who prepared the people for the Lord Jesus to come and to begin his ministry and to share. You know, God was fulfilling his promise, his promise to send that one like Elijah, but more importantly, he was fulfilling his promise to send the deliverer, the Messiah. And listen, Christmas, we don't think about this, but it is what it's all about. Jesus took on a body that could bleed. Jesus took on a body that could die. Jesus took on a body that he could sacrifice on a cross for your sin and mine. Hebrews 9.22, never forget it without the shedding of blood. There is no forgiveness of sins. What, what I thought, if I did good works, I could cover my, my sins. No, no, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so that's why Jesus took on a body. That's why that taking on a body that could bleed and die was an act of love. And the question would be is, uh, you know, he's the one who delivered us from our sin on that cross. Have you received him? Have you received him as Savior? If you haven't done that yet, please take care of that today. Even if you need to slip out of the sanctuary or even right where you are in the quiet place of your mind, talk to him, receive him, embrace him, surrender to him, give over to him your life He's your Savior. And so you and I can look back at that manger, at the cross. We can look back in faith. Okay, so looking back is faith. Looking ahead is what? Come on. If looking back is faith, looking ahead is hope. Thank you, hope. And so we look forward in hope. 
that God's gonna do what he's promised to do, right? We look forward in hope that God is, and it's not wishful thinking, okay? It's not, it's not like, boy, I sure hope this happens, or I sure hope, no, no. We know that the things that God tells us that are going to take place will take place, amen? Yeah, and our part is to wait with expectancy and anticipation. So what's ahead for this weary world? We look back in faith. Well, if we're to look ahead with hope, what's ahead for this weary world? What's going to happen to the creation around us? Is it going to be destroyed by third world war? What's going to come upon mankind? It's going to come upon us. Should we start to prepare? Should we start to get ready to survive and have all kinds of weapons hidden inside the drywall of our homes? And I know people who do that. What's going to come upon mankind? Is it only doom and gloom? Oh, why did I even bring children into this world? It's just doom and gloom and depression. Is it simply a future to fear? Is it? Well, this is what we're going to be discussing today. And just as we can look ahead to Christmas morning and get excited for the what's going to happen and the response of that loved one when they open that special gift we, we have for them, we can look forward to the, what God's going to do to remedy all that's wrong in this weary world. We can look forward with hope and not with doom and gloom. Praise God for that, amen? Praise God for that. So with that, would you please open up to Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 25. That's where we're going to go today. If you need a Bible, a pen, or some notes, please raise your hand, and our ushers will get you what you need. In a few moments, we'll pray together. So just raise your hand if you need a Bible or a pen or some notes. for today's up on the screen. And uh, just going to read through it first, as I normally do, and then we'll pray it in a moment. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to this weary world and rescuing us from, that should be from, sin and death. You are the Savior of the world. May many come to know and realize this during this Christmas season. And may our hearts be open to you, and may we experience joy and hope as we look to the future, trusting that you're going to set right all that's wrong around us. Praise God. Would you just bow your heads with me as I pray that? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to this weary world. Thank you for rescuing us from sin and death. Thank you. You did what you said you were going to do. You sent the deliverer. You fulfilled all that you had promised. You are the Savior of the world. Lord, may many come to know you and realize you are that Savior this Christmas season. And may hearts be open to you, and may we experience joy and hope as we look to the future, not fear and gloom and doom. May we be people who trust that you're going to set right all that's wrong around us. Please, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and would you please stand with me as we read Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to... 25. 
For I consider, this is the Apostle Paul, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, in hope though. So God decreed and subjected the creation being under the curse just as we're under the curse, but in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only nature, not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adopt for adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies for in this hope we were saved now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees but if we hope for what we do not see we wait for it with patience lord thank you for your word please bless it to our hearts and minds speak to us i pray in jesus name Amen. Thank you, everyone. Please be seated. Let's get our notes ready and walk back through this passage and understand what's being said here and take it in. You know, the Apostle Paul was writing to believers to remind them that they were heirs of Christ. You know, we sang, forever you will be glorified, forever you will be lifted high. Well, guess what? Forever we'll be glorified, forever we'll be lifted high, we'll be in heaven with him. We're heirs, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That's good news. If you believe it, man, that's like, oh, I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ? When I get to heaven, it's going to be amazing? Yes, yes. I don't deserve it. Amen. But it is going to be amazing. But Paul reminds us, hey, listen, that's the good but you got to take the bad with the good, right? You got to take the bad with the good. Yes, we'll share in the glories of heaven with Jesus, but here on earth, there's going to be suffering and trial. There is. And Jesus is, just as he's residing in glory, will reside in glory. And just as Jesus suffered here on earth, we're going to suffer. So let's understand that. And with that, would you look to verse 18? Verse 18, for I consider... Paul says that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So write this down. Our hope of eternal glory in heaven helps us to overcome the temporary suffering now. Our hope of eternal glory in heaven helps us to overcome the temporary suffering now. Note the difference between the future glory and our present suffering, right? One's eternal and the other is temporary. Doesn't necessarily make the pain and suffering easier. I mean, as a pastor, I've been in a lot of hospitals, hospice, I've been there. I've Homes, people, their lives ripped apart, seen that. But when we get alone and we meditate, and I've been through my share of people who said, hey, I, I want to be a pastor like you. And I said, well, you, you understand. If you want to be able to understand 
uh, or, or be able to sit down with people and help them in their suffering, that God's going to bring you through some suffering so that you can be able to empathize and sympathize. Are you ready for that part of it? Oh, oh, oh I, don't, I don't know about that part. I, I don't want to sign on for that. But <clears throat> Listen, our hope and future unstoppable bliss in heaven helps us to face the trials of the day, right? Right? And again, our hope, it's not wishful thinking. Just as sure as Christmas morning is coming and there's this joy and excitement over the presence, well, one day, listen to me, bless you, one day our faith will become sight. Our faith will become sight. I remember Jim Sine sharing that with me, and that's true for Kay right now, his dear wife. Her faith has become sight. She's with Jesus she is. <clears throat> you know, many of you have been praying for Laura and Chris and their family with the passing of Laura's mother, Janet. And uh, last Thursday, Wendy and I went to the viewing, and while there, Chris shared with me that he was amazed at the state of his heart attitude. I hope you're okay with me sharing this, Chris. I should have asked before, but I, you know, I'm amazed. And he was talking to his son, John, and the two agreed that having Christ in their lives made all the difference and and. and Chris said John and he agreed that if the, if the loss had come just six months earlier before the two of them had received Christ, that, uh, that they would have been a mess and deeply depressed and discouraged. However, with Christ in their lives, they have a hope that sustains them, a, a, a knowledge that the, they'll see their loved one again in heaven and that their loved one is safely home in heaven with Jesus and and enjoying glory there. And, and with that, would you just, let's pause. I'm just going to pray one more time. Father, would you please comfort Laura and her family? Would you please comfort Jim Sine and his family, the loss of Janet and the loss of Kay? But God, praise you and thank you that they are in your presence, rejoicing in the glories of heaven, safely home with you. And we know that. We know that. So thank you for that, Jesus. And that one day we'll be there too to see them again. Thank you. I pray in your name. Amen. Well, truly, our hope of eternal glory in heaven helps us overcome the temporary suffering of this life, whether it be the loss of a loved one or some personal trial. But we've got to hang on to hope, right? Right? We've got to hang on to hope. Well, look at verse 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. So uh, as you... Read this, please realize that the use of sons here has everything to do with that sense of being heirs and having an inheritance. And just like for some of the ladies here, you might be like, well, it's kind of hard for me to relate to being a son. Well, it's just like a man trying to relate to, so I'm a part of the church, I'm a part of the bride. Well, that's kind of, you know, but that's the idea here that we have an inheritance, the firstborn son was the one who received the inheritance, and so we're the sons of God in that sense, all of us, male and female here, because we're going to receive the inheritance. And in that sense, children of God, men and women, all receive the inheritance. So, so when will the children of God be revealed? Well, ta Paul talks about this in another book, 1 Thessalonians 4. Take a look at this, 16 to 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. This is going to happen. Jesus is going to descend from heaven with a cry 
of command. And, and we're told it's like, like a thief in the night who comes and steals away the precious things, all right? With the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Now, some of you have heard of this. It's it's referred to as the rapture. Well, why is that? We'll take a look. Because to be caught up, and also in, in Greek, the word for that can also be uh, associated with the word for uh, rapture. And so we understand it's at this time that the rapture, of the rapture, excuse me, that the children of God will, will be taken away. And, and in that sense, revealed and and so, so here's the question. Well, why does creation long for that day? Why? And, and, and that's going to happen. We're, that's a whole other sermon on all that, but we're not. So why, why does creation long for that day? Because listen, listen, listen. Just as man fell, okay, men and women fell under the curse of sin in the Garden of Eden, all of nature fell under the curse of sin. Do you realize that? So write this down, number two. Even creation is looking forward to the end of the church age and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And if you're like, I don't understand what that means, don't worry. We're going we're gonna to talk about it. We're going to get it straight here. Even creation is looking forward to the end of the church age and the second coming of Jesus Christ. You know, everybody today is like, what's in the future? What's coming? What's coming? Well, these are the things that Bible scholars believe are coming. Now, there's a lot of debate on the order and that kind of thing, but I'm going to present to you the order that, that I've been taught through the years and hold to. Uh, there, you know, again, I could debate some of these things and, and such, and, but we're moving forward in this, all right? So to help us understand this, would you look on the back side of your notes? And if you don't have notes, uh, you're going to miss out here. I hope everybody has a set of notes. Look on the back side of your notes there, and uh, you'll see a timeline of the end times. Timeline, and a bunch of blanks. So you see all those blanks. Well, we're going to fill in some of those blanks. Let's, let's uh, go ahead and do the first one here. Take a look. If you see under that word present over here on the far left, go ahead and let's do that next slide there. Church age, present church age. So that's where we're at right here and now, Okay. Right here now, the, the church age began with the giving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Okay, uh, just a second. I'll be right back. I have to take care of something. Just a second. I have ADHD, and somebody's cooking a bagel over there, and it's, it's so totally distracting me, <laughs> taking me out of my. I told him, man, can you can you stop cooking the bagels? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Put the bagel down, and anyhow, anyhow. All right, so, so the church age. Now, let's get back to the chart. That's almost as distracting as last week. I was, I was going to actually come up here with a glove on my hand and go, why is this glove on my hand, and pull it up. But I, I, if you were here last week, you know what I'm talking. Anyway. Well, the church age began with the giving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, okay? The Holy Spirit was given, and the church age began. That's when God, ecclesia, called out ones, church, ecclesia, called out ones. These are the ones that God has called out. Sounds pretty, uh, 
you know, convincing to me that he's the one who makes the decision, right? Well, anyway, called out ones. He calls them out at Pentecost. The removal of his church, listen, the removal of his church will take place, look at this next slide right here at the time. It would be good if I had one of those laser points, the rapture of the church right here. So that's the next big thing that's going to take place. And that's you and me. Now, some debate. Okay, is it going to take place at the right then and there or later? Well, I'll talk about that in a little bit. But and many believe that once the church is removed, there'll be nothing to restrain evil in the world, which will begin a time ready a time of terrible tribulation. So right there on the bottom, years of tribulation. So you see three and a half, three and a half, a total of seven years. In the middle, there'll be this thing called the desecration of the temple where, where there's this uh, political figure, the uh, Antichrist, who kind of seems like a good guy, but in the middle, he's going to go into the temple and say, hey, I'm the Messiah. And he, he will desecrate the temple, something of that nature. And the beginning of it is called the beginning of sorrows. First three and a half years, beginning of sorrows. And the second three and a half years is known as the time of great tribulation. Now, there's a lot of debate about, oh, I, I think the rapture is going to take place in the middle before the great tribulation. Because the, the beginning of sorrows is, is the devil doing his thing, but the great tribulation is God pouring out wrath. So God's going to take his church out before he pours out his wrath. One guy put it this way. He said, I believe that the church will be raptured in the middle of the tribulation, and the other guy said, no, it's got to be at the beginning, and, and then the other guy said, well, I, I, I'm still believing it's the middle, but I sure do hope you're right, <laughs> and the reason I, I, you know, I've gone back and forth on this, the reason I really believe and presented this to you as a rapture at the beginning is because I believe that we're, the church is a restraining force to evil, and when the church is removed, that's when the devil can really begin to do his thing in total, that this time of, of terrible tribulation will begin. Well, at the end of this tribulation, Israel will be surrounded by their enemies. Pretty much all the, the whole world will be against Israel surrounding that. And I can remember thinking, really, how could that happen? Really? The whole world against Israel? Come on, really? Are you watching the news? Yeah. Yeah. So the whole world will be surrounding Israel, and they'll need a deliverer. Then Christ will return and destroy the Antichrist and the enemies of Israel, the great battle called the Battle of Armageddon on the plain of Megiddo. And uh, so the return of Christ. So, so we'll have the church age, rapture, this tribulation, then the return of Christ, okay, the return of Christ. Now something interesting, one of, one of the verses that I just captures my imagination is when Israel sees their Messiah, Scripture points to kind of like what their response will be, and it's found in Zechariah 12.10. Look at this. And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy so that when they look on me, on whom they've pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly for him as one weeps over a firstborn. It'll be like when Paul, when the scales were ripped from Paul's eyes and he was like, holy mackerel, or not, 
before the scales were ripped away, but when, when he was like, who is this? Who is this? And Jesus is like, it's me, Paul. Jesus, whom you're persecuting. And, and I think for the, is, you know, the Israelites, for the Jews, they'll be like, oh, my goodness. All these years of rejection, it's him. It's him. And his, and his return will usher in his kingdom here on earth. A kingdom that Christ will reign over for a thousand years. We, we call it, ready, the millennial kingdom. The millennial kingdom over here. Hitler tried to, Hitler tried to make it that he was the, the, the setting up the millennial kingdom. He called it a Reich, his, 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 the Reich, third Reich. He was going to set up this millennial kingdom that wouldn't fall, that kind of thing. And no, 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 Jesus is the one who's going to set up a kingdom that will last a thousand years. And this is what creation's longing for because this will be the first stage that creation will be restored. This will be the first creation, or excuse me, the first stage that it'll be delivered from the curse. Here, look at, here's the curse that creation's under again, just to remind ourselves. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. God decreed it. When Adam and Eve fell, God decreed that creation would also be subjected to the curse. In hope, though, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, waiting in anticipation for the child to come, waiting in anticipation to be freed. Write this down, number three. The creation will be freed from the curse of sin when Christ comes again and establishes his kingdom on earth. The creation will be freed from the curse of sin when Christ comes again and establishes his kingdom on earth. Many believe that Isaiah describes it did everybody get the, that last? Should we go back? All right, you got it? Okay. Many believe that Isaiah describes it in chapter 11, verses 6 to 9. Listen to this. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Does that, does that give you a wow? I hope it does. Think about it. Trees will be even more glorious than they are now. The world's beautiful, but an unfallen creation will be even more beautiful. I'm sure that fruits and vegetables will most likely be larger, better tasting than we could ever imagine. If you get a chance, take some time and just imagine what a restored creation will look like, what it'll be like. It, it'll blow, if you've seen Avatar, it'll probably blow Avatar away. Not, is that the show? Okay, I got it right. 
Now look at verse 23. And not only the creation, but we ourselves. What? There's something in store for us? Yeah, we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we receive the Holy Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And you're like, okay, well, wait a minute. I thought I was already adopted. Yes, well, you, you got to think of it this way. You and I, we have been saved. We are being saved. And we will be saved. Salvation forever, perfect in God's eyes. But there is this process that we go through, and the completion of it will be this. Ready? Write this down, number four. Just as our bodies have been made new, so will, excuse me, our spirits have been made new, so will our bodies be recreated. Yeah, you've got, you've got talk about a Christmas gift, man. You've got a new body coming your way. Did you know that? A pretty special body. Yeah, when I'm at the gym working out and I'm thinking, man, I, I'm doing all right working out. And then I, I look and I go, but why is this still poking out there? Help me, God. It's belly of mine. Why can't I run as fast as I used to or jump as high? And how come I'm aching here and there? This is, so this, this right here is really good news as you get older. Because when the rapture takes place, Chris, Scripture describes this great and wonderful gift for us in this way. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, like, wow, behold is like, here's something really cool. You, you, you got to check this out. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed for this imperishable, for, excuse me, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. You mean I'm gonna get a brand new glorified body? Yes, you too. Just as God made us spiritually ready for heaven. He's going to make us physically ready for heaven with glorified bodies. Really? Yes. And you can look forward to that and hope. Hope. Here, Paul said this. Look at this, verse 24. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Here, I, I summed it up this way. Ready? Faith looks back on what God has done, while hope looks forward with expectancy and anticipation. Do you have expectancy and anticipation for the future? Do you? I hope that you do. I hope that your outlook isn't just doom and gloom and this world is a rough place and I don't know if I want to. Faith looks back on what God has done. Well, hope looks forward with expectancy and anticipation. Again, the kind of hope we're talking about is not wishful thinking. It's looking forward, knowing it's going to happen, man. It's going to happen, and I can't wait. It's like being a child the day before the presents are open, Christmas evening or morning, whatever you do, whatever your tradition is. You know that it's coming. You know that you know that it's coming. 
and it's hard to be patient. It's hard not to burst with excitement. It's like that. This is the thrilling hope that we need, right? This is the thrilling hope that the world needs to hear. Hope for a weary world. And our closing verse is my prayer for all of you. It's this, ready? It's this, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit, excuse me, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I'm gonna pray that now. Let's just bow our heads, ready? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God, help us to abound in hope, Lord. Help us to have joy and peace in believing. Help us by the power of the Holy Spirit to abound in great hope, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.